What's up? Welcome back to Forte Catholic, our first live show in a very long time. Basketball season is over, so I don't no longer have basketball games on Tuesday that I'm coaching. So I am live for a very, very long time because basketball is over. Um, we went, I think, 5-23, and 23, so I'm glad that that suffering is out of my life for the time being. Um, I have a great show here for you today. We got a couple people in the studio. We're having a lot of fun. We got some games that we're going to play. Um, we've got a, a couple of fun segments. Um, and Mr. Carlo Broussard from Catholic Answers is coming on the show. He's, he's relatively new with Catholic Answers. Catholic, Catholic Answers this, is this great site that has these great um, apologists, which are people who are able to answer tough questions about the faith. I've used them for a very long time, all throughout college, um, being able to find um, all these difficult answers that I was being approached with in those college years where people are challenging your faith. Um, he is so much fun. He's a, a southern, southern Louisiana man, um, had this great big um, conversion and decided to, to work for the church. He's been with Catholic Answers for just over a year now. He is one of my, he's been one of my favorite people to interview in the entire length of the show. He's so much fun. So that'll be the second segment. And then in the, sec- in the third segment, we're going to continue talking about our preparation for Lent because he's, um, he's, he has a great book, um, a great series from Catholic Answers that is coming out to help us pr- um, prepare us for Easter during this Lenten season that is starting next week. That's just crazy. Um, and then we'll do a mass text segment about today's daily mass readings. But before we get into any of that, uh, last week we had probably um, – one of our most fun shows to record. We had way too much fun in studio talking about Valentine's. And it was, it was really interesting because I actually thought about the show um, when I was at a wedding this weekend. So I went to this wedding where I did not know the people getting married. I was singing at this wedding in this huge city called Dimebox, about 45 minutes from College Station. And I say huge because I, th- I think there's like nine people that live there, right? Um, I, was, I told the person that I was singing with, I was like, Hey, uh, right after practice, I was like, oh, I'm going to go get a water at a gas station. She said, good luck. I said, what do you mean? She's like, the nearest gas station is like 20 miles from here. I'm like, how does a town not have a gas station? Um, They did have a water tower, though, so I thought I was going to have to go get some water out of the water tower. But um, I ended up up figuring it out because I'm a big boy. So I was at this wedding, and it was just really interesting because it was this this past Saturday, so a few days after Valentine's. And like I said on the show last week, I'm not the biggest fan of going out on Valentine's. Um, I try to avoid it at all costs. Uh, my wife and I stay in, and then I'll take her out like this next week after like you know all those couples have broken up. So, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, so I was at this wedding, not knowing any of the any the not knowing the people getting married. I knew obviously the person that I was playing with because um, it was her, one of her relatives that she wanted me to come sing for, and uh, and her daughter. So I knew about four of four of the four people in the congregation, and there were let's probably about. And maybe a hundred people at the, at the wedding, which you know was fifty times the amount of people that live at Divebox. So um, there was a big party for them. Um, but it was it was I had this really cool moment during the vows um, because I got married five years ago. We've been talking about relationships and Valentines, and as they were saying the vows to each other, you know, uh, in sickness, in sickness and in health, for richer and for poor. I was thinking about all those things, and like, man, I love marriage so much because it's it's not always pretty. Um, a, a lot of people, a lot of speakers will will go around and you know, like I heard a lot of marriage speakers before I got married, and they're all like, marriage is the best. It's so much fun, and it absolutely is. But rarely do people talk about the hard things. The difficult conversations, the arguments, how to deal with those arguments, how to raise children, how to do all of these things. All these real things that are a big part of why everybody loves marriage. But it's difficult. And so I'm standing at this at this wedding with people saying their vows to each other. And I just started like renewing my vows to my wife, right? Um, because obviously there are times where I like I I mess up on those vows, right? Where I I uh I don't for for uh for 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 what is the, the sicker one 
like I'm a terrible person when I'm sick, right? Like I'm not a good person. I I I become like this this little child who can no longer do anything for himself. And uh, so when it comes to uh, being a good husband and, a, and, a, and an active father in those times, I'm pretty terrible. So I, uh, at this random wedding, just kind of recommitted myself to being the husband and the father that God called me to way back on the day of my wedding. So um, that's just a little side note kind of connecting to last week. Um, but today, how I want to start is I want to do a segment that I was told not to do. Um, this segment that I wanted to do actually kind of became our mass tech segment. It became, so the mass tech segment, which we'll do in the third segment, is up, we'd, we'd kind of do the daily readings at mass. Like, oh, if you didn't go to mass today, uh, this is what you missed out on, right? And it's, it's kind of cool because we all have busy lives. Like, I didn't actually go to daily mass today. I, we just happened to read the daily readings at staff prayer. Um, so, so, so I read them there. Um, but we're actually going to do this segment. So it's time to play for the first time on Forte Catholic Radio, everybody's favorite game called Who Was Paying Attention at Mass? All right. So what this game is, I used to play this with my youth group at my last parish. So for two years on our youth nights at, on, at, on Sunday night, we played this game called Who Was Paying Attention in Mass? And all it was was talking about the, the gospel of mass earlier that day, right? So all these kids, um, there, there was a, there's a couple of different answers, right? They could have gone to mass Saturday, they could could have gone to mass Sunday, or they could have not gone to mass. And it was about a third, a third, and a third, right? So they about about you know two thirds of them went to mass over the weekend. Um, some of them about four hours before, and we'd played this game called Who Was Paying Attention in Mass, and what it was was I would ask them just simple questions about. The first reading, the second reading, and the gospel. If anyone was able to get the correct answer, I would give them a prize. Five, ten dollar iTunes gift card, five dollar gift card to Taco Bell or Burger King or whatever, you know, children like. So, and I say children endearingly because that's what I call all people younger than me. So we played this game, and the whole point of it, right, was not to shame them and uh, whenever I asked, what was the gospel about today? And then I heard crickets for 30 seconds. And I'm like, well, I guess I get to keep this iTunes gift card. Uh, I'll buy music for you guys for next week. So the, the whole point of it, though, was, okay, if you know that I'm going to ask you about what the readings were in Mass, one, I'm, what I'm hoping is, is that you'll go to Mass. Number two is that if you did go to, if you do go to Mass, that you'll actually pay attention, right? Because there's so often, and the main reason I started this game was because I was kind of terrible at it. So I was the music director at the church down the road. So I went to Mass Saturday night, Sunday morning at 8 in English, Sunday morning at 9.30 in English, 11 o'clock in Spanish, and the 5.30 afternoon Mass. So I would go to Mass four or five times in 24 hours, and then it would be Sunday night or Monday during the day, and I had no idea what the readings were from that weekend. So I was like, this is a huge problem, right? So it's, it's, it's uh, in Mass, it's listening not only just to pay attention and get it right then, but how is this Mass going to carry me through the week? And if you don't know what the readings were on Monday or on right now, a Tuesday evening, from what this past Sunday was... We should probably try to you know, remember on that and pray on that and to think on that. So that's what this segment is all about. So we're going to look at the gospel from this past Sunday because there's a lot of questions about it. And every time it's read, people are like, all right, Jesus, did you really mean what you said? And Jesus looks at us and he's like, yes. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to his disciples, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. So that's, you know, if, if somebody plucks out your eye, you get to pluck their eye out. I, don't, I, I, I guess people were doing this enough in olden times that Jesus had to address this. It's like, hey, stop plucking each other's eyes out and stop pulling out teeth. So I've never been in, once in an argument and looked at somebody and be like, you know what? I'm mad at you. I'm going to pull your tooth out. But apparently people did that about 2,000 years ago. So Jesus addressed that. So uh, that's, your, that's your friendly tip from Taylor today. Whenever you're in an argument, do not pull someone's teeth out. 
the more you know. So, but I, he continues and says, but, but I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. So essentially he's saying here, okay, kind of the, the common practice is if you punch me, I punch you. If you pluck my eye out, I pluck your eye out. You steal my goat, I steal your goat. You steal my cow, I steal your girl. I mean, never mind. That, I don't think that's, that, never mind. That's not what he was saying, right? Um, <laughs> Mr. Steal Your Girl. That's who Jesus was addressing here was Mr. Steal Your Girl. So Jesus continues and says, when somebody's, so this is what we're supposed to do, right? Not only don't repay it with evil, but this is what we're supposed to do. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to the law with you over, over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, I said service kind of like Mike Tyson there. That was weird. Uh, should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn your back on the one who wants to borrow. So I'm in a, I'm a, a men's Bible study that I really enjoy, and we actually go th- on, on Thursdays. We go through the, the Sunday readings for the next day. We use uh, Brandon, Brandon Vogt's uh, Daily Gospel, whatever that thing's called. Uh, just gets sent to my email every day on Thursday or every Thursday in, pre- in preparation for that Sunday. And we were going through this and all of us were like, all right, this is this is an odd reading. It's a tough reading, right? Because none of us really want none of us want to be doormats. We don't want to, to just be like, OK, somebody punches us. I, I invite you to punch me on the other side, right? So first of all, you're either being a doormat or you're being like a crazy person. You're like, hey, punch me again. <laughs> I like that, right? That was super weird. Um, but a lot like the real reading of this that a lot of people do is like, OK, this is Jesus telling you just to like lay down and be a doormat. Let people press you into service. Let people um, let like give everyone your cloaks, like let people punch you, all of these things, right? And um, myself and, and, and uh, one of the other guys in, in the Bible study, my boss, Matt Rice, who's been on the show before, um, both have heard a really interesting um, commentary on this, right? And it's one of those things that we as, as, like, the modern reader does not understand. So these were people living in a time where Rome was in charge, right? Living in a time of, of slavery, living in a time of um, extreme belittlement where Rome could press anybody who wasn't Roman into service, right? So here's the deal. You have to kind of envision this with me because um, I'm in the studio right now and I'm about to, I'm about to punch our, uh, our producer, Jake, right? So here's the deal. Or I'm going to slap him first, okay? Obviously, that's, the, that, that's how things escalate, right? So if I slap Jake back in, in Roman times, I would not use my left hand because they used their left hand for things that we now use toilet paper for, right? So nobody used their left hand for anything. Right hand, if I'm going to, if I'm going to strike Jake, I'm going to strike him because I'm a Roman citizen. He's like a Jewish person or somebody who's not Roman. He's below me, right? So he's, he's kind of like a slave or a servant or he's, he's, he's uh, um, kind of like he is now. No, I'm just kidding. So if I, if I, I'm going to hit him. I'm not going to punch him because that would, in their day, that meant that he was my equal. My equal. I'm going to kind of backhand slap him, right? So I'm slapping Jake on his right cheek. His right cheek. That's your left cheek, Jake. On Jake's right cheek, right? So I slap him. So here's the deal. His head is going to go to his left. So if he offers me his other cheek, he now has to turn the other way, right? To where his left side is facing me. You're staying with me? You're visualizing this? So now if I hit him, I can't back slap I can't backhand slap him again. If I'm going to hit him again, I'm gonna have to punch him, right? So it's essentially Jake saying, if you're going to hit me again, it's going to it's you're saying that that you're my equal, right? It's it's a it's a way to protest that's nonviolent and that is allows Jake to keep his dignity, right? Because the only the only thing that Jake could really do other than that is to fight back, which would probably get him thrown in jail, or to to run away or to just kind of fall down, and that kind of degrades his dignity, right? So being able to stand up and turn the other cheek, if I'm going to have to hit him again, I'm either going to hit him again and be shamed because now I just this person who's not my equal, I have just made him my equal, or I'm going to have to walk away. And essentially, Jake just won, right? 
So it's this way that, that, that Jesus is helping us to keep our dignity without being a doormat, right? It's the same thing with uh, if anyone wants to go to the law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well, right? So it's, it's like if you had this disagreement and Jake's saying that I, uh, that I owe Jake my, my tunic, right? I would give, I would give that to, to Jake, but I'd also give him my cloak. So here's the deal. At this point, I'm walking around naked. And that's, that's no bueno, right? So in, in our modern, <laughs> no bueno. Everybody in the studio just said absolutely not. That's no bueno. So back, like in our day, like if, if somebody sees you naked, that's shameful on, on, the, on you, right? In back in their day, it, it, was, it was actually the shame on the person who caused the nakedness, right? So if somebody was out in the street and naked, it, it was because of the person that made them that way, right? So actually the shame would be on Jake, not on me. It's just this weird thing that like we don't understand as the modern reader, but this is how the listeners of Jesus saying this would have understand it. The other one is this going the extra mile, right? We've all heard the term of going the extra mile. So in that day, a Roman citizen could take anybody and press them, press a non-Roman person into, ser- into service for one mile, right? So these, Ro- these centurions, these soldiers could, could, I could, if I was this Roman centurion, I'd walk up to Jake and be like, hey, you have to carry my 50-pound pack for a mile. And he had to do it. Otherwise, he'd go to jail or he'd get beat or worse, right? He had to do it for a mile. But the other rule was I couldn't do it for more than a mile, right? This was the agreement that was made uh, between Rome and all these other citizens that lived there, but, or uh, all these people, other people that lived in Rome but were not citizens, right? So I could press Jake into, into service for a mile, but if I made him go more than a mile, I was the one that got in trouble, right? So if Jake was like, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'll carry your pack for a mile. All of a sudden, it's creating a scene, and this Roman centurion is having to beg. I'm having to beg Jake to give me my pack back, right? Now who's the one who's who's keeping their dignity, right? Um, So I love this because it's one of those things that in the scriptures, we don't always understand what's going on. But um, in this scripture from this Sunday, so if you have any questions about it, I hope that helps you guys to kind of wrap your mind around it. Jesus is not calling us to be doormats. He's also not calling us to be, you know, violent and punch people back whenever they disrespect us. But to find this other answer that Jesus has for us, because Jesus always has another option when it looks like there's only two that neither are going to work out for you. So we will be right back with a great guest, Carlo Broussard from Catholic Answers, talking about miracles, talking about some more scripture stuff. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to Forte Catholic. As promised, we're here with a with a great guest, Mr. Carlo Broussard, staff apologist, speaker, musician from Catholic Answers. Carlo, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, Taylor. It's great to be on the air with you, my friend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We got to talk a little bit before we came on the air, getting to know each other a little bit. Um, but I'm still getting to know you, and, and my audience is obviously still getting to know you. So why don't you just tell us who you are, why you do what you do? Well, who am I? I'm Carlo Broussard, and I'm, a, I'm the raging Cajun apologist, brother, from southern Louisiana. There you go. <laughs> I, uh, I, I came up uh, in a music career playing Cajun music down in southern Louisiana, trying to make a career out of it, all the way from the time I was 13 to 20 years old. Gave it all up to uh, pursue the Lord, to study theology and philosophy, because I heard the conversion story and the preaching of my mentor and good friend tim staples oh great and uh, whenever yeah whenever i heard his conversion story of how he was he went from being anti-catholic to the nation's leading catholic evangelist and apologist i was like i want to do what he does for some reason by god's grace what he was doing in apologetics appealed to me which was interesting because I wasn't an intellectually kind of guy. I wasn't an intellectual kind of guy. <laughs> I was on the bandstand with my accordion, brother, playing some Cajun rock and roll music. There you go. But, uh, but it appealed to me and lit a fire within my heart. And so I started pursuing that journey and that dream uh, to one day work with Tim Staples as a Catholic apologist. And here I am, Taylor, 16 years later, brother, living out that dream 
walking down the halls at Catholic Answers of 2020 Gillespie Way in El Cajon, California, with my mentor and good friend right down the hall, and just soaking it up, learning all of this good stuff about our Catholic faith and sharing it with others through radio, magazines, DVDs, booklets, and all of that good stuff. You're living the dream, man. I am, brother. I am. It's, it's amazing. We, we, I've been with Catholic Answers now for a little over a year. Prior to that, I was partially living the dream with a great friend of mine, Father Robert Spitzer. I was working with Father Robert Spitzer in the Maja Center, giving talks, promoting his material on faith and science, as well as the levels of happiness. And I did that for two and a half years prior to coming on with Catholic Answers. That, yeah, that's great. It's so funny, man. Uh, I wanted to save this when we got on the air. My blood is 100% Cajun. So my parents grew up in southern Louisiana. Um, wow. I, I was born in Texas, but uh, so your voice actually makes me feel like I'm at home. So all my aunts and uncles <laughs> sound exactly like you, man. It's, it's, uh, I, I spent a lot of time there growing up. Um, and it's so right. funny. I didn't know you were the raging Cajun apologist. My parents went to this school that used to be called USL, now ULL. That's right. The raging That's Cajuns, right. man. So, <laughs> yeah. So I had to, you know, I'm I'm kind of the only. Well, there's a few other Cajuns out there. Dr. Brant Petrie, he's a famous Catholic biblical scholar. He's doing wonderful things. But you know what? I figure since I grew up playing Cajun music, and I'm purebred Broussard, brother. I might as well take that label of Raging Cajun and run with it, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you got it before uh, our, our good friend here locally, Marcel Lejeune, or uh, the guys like Paul yeah. George could take it before you. So <laughs> That's right. Good friends with Paul George as well. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, he, you know, the, the man crush that you had on Tim Staples is kind of the one that I have on Paul George. I love love Paul for a long time. Yeah, Paul Paul's an amazing speaker. He does great things, and he's really ramping up his ministry right now. So uh, he's definitely someone to be looking out for. Yeah, he's great. Um, speaking of Broussard, so my favorite musician of all time is a Broussard, and you were talking about music. Do you have any relation or know of a Mark Broussard? Oh, man, that son of a gun can sing, huh, brother? Dude, seriously, <laughs> he, he's he's my idol. He really is. Yeah, you know, Taylor, we, what we would say in Louisiana, man, is we say he gives us the free songs. <laughs> you get the goosebumps. You get the goosebumps when you listen to that boy sing his rock and roll. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm sure we're we're related somewhere down the line, but he does tremendous work, man. I remember hearing him sing when I was like 13 years old. He was a, we were teenagers, and I remember hearing him sing and just being floored at the kind of voice he had. And he's doing good things with his music. So, blessed be God for, uh, for his music. Yeah, he's he's the best, man. He really is. One of my one of my mentors was his youth minister growing up. So. Good, good stuff, man. Good stuff. I love Louisiana. I love your voice, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of this interview. So the main reason we want to get you on the show is because at Catholic Answers, y'all are doing this 20 Answers Challenge that y'all are ramping yeah. up for Lent. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that challenge? Yeah, well, we have 20 booklets called the 20 Answers Series, which is basically 20 different topics. And these booklets range anywhere from 15 to 17,000 words. So you can basically read these booklets within an hour's time. And they're set up with 20 questions and 20 succinct, concise, and clear answers by various different authors. Myself, my colleagues and friends, Trent Horn, Tim Staples, Jimmy Aiken. We also have some booklets from outside apologists, uh, Jim Blackburn. You have, we have Matt Frad. Um, as well as many other authors. And the challenge that we're offering is for people to purchase the 20, all 20 booklets. We're knocking the price down to half, uh, Taylor, half price for all 20 booklets. And actually, we're going to take $10 of the revenue generated uh, from each purchase, $10 from each purchase of the set, and give it to St. Paul Street Evangelization which is a ministry of folks who go out on the street in a park or wherever it may be set up on the sidewalk with various Catholic items and share the faith with people as they walk by. And we're going to be giving them some of these booklets so that they can share the booklets with the people who are walking by as they're ministering to them. And the challenge is for, for your listeners out there and everybody else to get a hold of this package, all 20 booklets, and try and read through all of them during the Lenten and Easter season. And by the end of Easter season, you'll have all 20 booklets answered, and you'll have this wealth of, of knowledge and many arrows in the quiver 
to be able to shoot at the targets and the objections that come our way as we're trying to uh, defend the faith and, and journey in the faith. I tell you what, man, 20 books within just Lent would be a real challenge for me. I'm glad. It, in the email, I think y'all just said Lent. So you added Easter time and over doubled the time that I have to take this challenge. So I just. That's I, right. Well, <laughs> I've been told Lent and Easter. I've heard Lent. So I'm going to go with Lent and Easter. And keep in mind, these booklets are fairly short. You can probably get through them in about an hour and an hour and a half. Great stuff. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And uh, if I if I uh, if I don't finish by the end of the Easter season, technically every every day we're supposed to be living the Easter season, right? So, uh, <laughs> might... amen, brother. <laughs> yeah, uh, amen. There, there, there's me always trying to find loopholes. What a good Catholic! All right, so uh, <laughs> so I I know that you uh, you wrote uh, at least one of these booklets, right? And you were focusing on the yeah. topic of miracles. And I I was so excited to talk to you about this because a lot of t- I, I work with, mostly with young people and you know we talk about miracles like oh that's something that happened a long time ago so sure. give us kind of the synopsis of what you talk about some of the biggest pushback you get when you're talking or writing about miracles yeah well first of all I deal with the first of all the definition of a miracle and what is a miracle I write about the purpose of miracles so the purpose that they serve primarily in the apostolic age as authenticating God's divine revelation, but also the miracles throughout the history of the church and how they confirm the church's divine origin, being invested by Christ with a certain authority to speak on behalf of Christ, and how these miracles are present within Catholic history, within our heritage, and it's not something just for the apostolic age. Even miracles that are verified in the canonization process of the saints. So we have miracles that can be historically verified in the apostolic age. I go through the resurrection of Jesus. I look at some of the miracles that the apostles performed. And then I look at those miracles throughout the history of the church. So I look at the incorruptibles, for example. I look at uh, profound, the profound miracles of the Eucharistic miracles, right? The miracle of Lanciano and Siena and how the Eucharist changed into real flesh and blood in the case of the miracle of Lanciano, and how the consecrated hosts in the miracle of Siena are still existing today after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years with their um, fresh-baked consistency and a pleasant smell, and they have not decomposed. I also answer some objections to miracles. You know, I'm sure as you are familiar with, Taylor, Many skeptics will object to miracles and say, well, how can I believe in miracles when they violate the laws of nature? Miracles are incompatible with science, right? I mean, if, if I accept a miracle, I'm going to have to give up on the laws of nature and say that they're not true, which nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, I also answer some objections uh, from David Hume particularly. I mean, he put forward the violation of the laws of nature objection, but also he has an objection about You know, we can't even believe in a miracle from the very get-go because the evidence for what is regular always outweighs the evidence for for what is rare. And so I address that objection as well. Many other objections I go through. I also talk about why doesn't God perform more miracles? So I touch on the problem of evil, both in its moral form and its physical form. I also provide the reader tools to discern between a true miraculous event and events wrought by demonic activity. And that's something very important for us so that we can be able to, so that we can discern when God is truly acting as opposed to some sort of spiritual creature acting. And then, of course, I wrap it up, Taylor, with providing Catholics a Catholic approach to miracles, that we need to have a healthy skepticism. We, we don't want to just believe any Joe Blow who comes and says, oh, by golly, Mary appeared in the potato chip. <laughs> you know, we want to have a healthy skepticism, which is what the church does. The church has a healthy skepticism. She looks over miraculous claims and investigates them. In fact, our, the miracles of Lourdes, there are 60,000 alleged miracles that have come about at Lourdes, in Lourdes, France. But the church has only officially approved 69. Oh, wow. And she's just following, she's just following the instruction of St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Test all things and keep that which is good. And that's what we do as Catholics. But at the same time, Taylor, we don't want to ignore the miracles, right? 
we want to look to the, the greatest miracle of all, namely the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We want to look to the miracles of the apostles and even the miracles throughout the history of the church and use these in evangelization. If it doesn't convert someone on the spot, oh yeah, I'm going to be a Christian now, I believe in God and Jesus, at least it will initiate them on the journey in that quest for truth, namely the truth about God, Jesus, and ultimately Jesus's Catholic Church. I'm so, so happy that you brought up the scripture of test everything, retain what is good. That is one of the biggest premises of this show, actually. We talk a lot about faith and culture, testing everything oh, in culture, beautiful. and then keeping, yeah. you know, keeping what is good and then rejecting what is not, and how do we deal with that? So first of all, I'm just glad you talked about that, and then you, you gave a, a great summary, so thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. I have a couple, <laughs> I have a couple of other um, kind of follow-up questions on that. So okay. in your studies— um, speaking about because uh, you you mentioned how a lot of miracles happened way back way back then, but that there really are more miracles that have happened in the last two thousand years right. than people address. So, in your studies, what is the most like the most recent approved miracle that you came across when when you were studying for this book? Well, you have miracles. I mean, any any. I mean, you could go. I didn't go through all of the research uh, through you know canonized saints. So, anytime you have a new canonized saint, uh, within that process and investiga investigation for canonization, you would have uh, approved miracles by the church. So basically, you would just have to look at the newest canonized saint and inquire about the miracles that the church has investigated well, with those canonized saints and see which one would be the newest miracle that has come about. Uh, I didn't go into that much re that much research for the booklet, so I can't really say what is the most recent um, bona fide miracle approved by the church. But we do have uh, some some fairly recent miracles. One one that comes to mind that I mentioned in the booklet is a miracle uh, within the process canonization process of Pope Saint John Paul II. There was a lady by the name of Floribeth Moral Diaz of Costa Rica, and she had a short time to live due to an inoperable brain aneurysm. And through the intercession of Pope St. John Paul II, she was healed. And that miracle was used in the canonization process of Pope St. John Paul II. So that's a very recent miracle, a healing miracle, that is, that we could look to. We go back a little bit further uh, sort of a, a modern age miracle would be the healing of Gemma de Giorgi, a Sicilian woman who was healed of her blindness at the age of seven by uh, St. Pio, St. Padre Pio. She was born in 1939, and at seven years old, she, she didn't have any pupils, and she was totally blind. So her grandmother took her to St. Pio, and St. Pio healed her while she was there to where she can see. And 70 years later, to this day, Gemma still lives and she can still see, even though she still does not have pupils in her eyes. Oh, wow. So the healing didn't heal the defective structure of her eyes, but yet she has sight in those eyes, which Taylor is very important when we're talking about the definition of a miracle, because miracles or beyond the powers of created nature in several ways, and this is one of the ways. So you have a natural effect of sight. That's a natural thing. But whenever a natural effect like sight is found in something that it ought not to be found ordinarily, namely blind eyes, eyes with no pupils, <laughs> you have a miracle, right? It's kind of like the resurrection of the dead. You have the natural effect of life being found in something it ordinarily shouldn't be found in, namely a corpse. So when you have a resurrection from the dead, you have a miracle. In the case of blindness, the same principle applies. You have a bona fide miracle. So that's kind of a miracle that's in somewhat of you know modern age uh, that I mention in the booklet. Uh, but of course, there's there are many more bona fide miracles in the canonization process of all of the modern saints that just simply uh, did not have the time or the resource to get into the research for this sort of 15,000-word booklet. Yeah, no, I got you, though, but those two were great examples. I mean, there's somebody that's, that is living that can see without pupils. Like, that's a great one. Um, and, Amen. You know, and, and, like, the thing that fascinates me the most is this, is this uh, how, they, how they actually study these things whenever people are being canonized, and they use this gift of science. So um, 
if people want some more information, where can they find these books online and where can they find you uh, to connect with you? Sure. Yeah, well, they can find the 20 Answers booklet challenge. They can purchase the package at catholic.com. Just go to catholic.com. We have a banner there up at the, at the site. They click on the banner and they'll be taken to shop.catholic.com where they can purchase the sampler package, all 20 booklets. They can follow me all at catholic.com. I'm constantly posting there for our blog. I constantly have video clips being uploaded from Catholic Answers Live. We have the audio, uh, P, uh, the audio podcast of Catholic Answers Live up there at catholic.com. But they can also follow me at my website, carlobrusor.com. And everything that I do and post on social media for catholic.com is also posted at my website, carlobrusor.com. And of course, they can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, as well as YouTube. So. All right. Well, thanks, Carlo, for coming on, the, the Raging Cajun Apologist. I appreciate you spending the time with us today. We hope to have you on again sometime soon. Thanks a lot, Taylor. It would be my joy, my friend. God bless you, brother. You too, man. All right, all right, all right. We are back for our final segment of Forte Catholic for this evening. Recording live in the Red Sea Radio Studio in St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station, Texas. Home of the Fighting Aggies. So uh, I just want to thank Carlo Broussard for coming on again. He was a blast. He was fun on the air. He was a lot of fun off the air, too. I told him at the end, I was like, I think we just became friends, or at least that's what I want to happen because he's so much fun and uh, reminds me a lot of my family. So um, thanks again, Carlo, for coming for coming on, and uh, we will definitely have him on the show again here in the next few months. So for this last segment, I want to talk – I want to do a mass tech seg- uh, segment. So if you've been listening for the past couple of months, um, you know what this segment is. It is looking at the text – in Mass, right? And it has the double meaning of not only is it the text that we read from in Mass, but it's also a Mass text. If I send a Mass text, I'm sending a message to everyone, right? So this is, the Bible is God's Mass text to all of us, right? So I want to look at what was the first reading in uh, for Mass today. And it was from Sirach, right? So this is one of those books that uh, is only in Catholic Bibles. It was one of those books that was... Uh, so for all the books that were taken out in the, after the Protestant Reformation, all of those books were just books that were written in Greek during the Old Testament times, right? So all of the rest of the Old Testament, so like in a Protestant Bible, all of the, all of the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrews, uh, or in Hebrew, right? In the New Testament, all of that was written in Greek. So there were these seven books that were written about two to 300 years before Jesus. And it was at that time that they were taken over by these, these Grecian empires, right? So the, the main language was Greece. So all these Israelites were actually writing things in Greek now. Instead of writing in Hebrew, they were writing them in Greek. <clears throat> so there were these seven books that, were, that are scripture. The Catholic Church says they're scripture. They've been in the scriptures for 2,000 years. Um, and this book... Sirach is one of them, right? And it was, it's interesting because some people call it Sirach, some people call it Ben Sirach, right? And which is funny because it's, a, it's a, a, a wisdom book. So it's kind of like Proverbs or the Book of Wisdom or these types of things where it's real practical information, very, kind of, you could, you, you know, very quotable. Um, so today's reading is uh, the beginning of Sirach chapter two. And it's funny because I've been watching a lot of Star Wars recently. Um, it the Star Wars Clone Wars show on Netflix. Yeah, I've been I've been watching it with my son kind of slowly for the past year or so, and I I uh, saw on Twitter that it's leaving Netflix in like March, so I have like two and a half seasons to finish. So I've been binge watching uh, Clone Wars the past couple of nights. So, as many of you know from Star Wars, um, in the there's this man named Obi Wan Kenobi, right? A very wise man. Um, but he goes by Ben um, in the fourth, fifth, and sixth movies, right? He goes by Ben. Um, so I thought it was kind of funny because we're I'm watching Star Wars, preparing for the show, 
looking at this wisdom text, looking at this wise Jedi in Star Wars, and both of them, their nicknames are Ben. I just thought that was kind of an odd little connection there. Um, so other, in other words, I'm going to stop turking, talking about, uh, I'm going to stop turking, turkeying, that's a thing that we do on Thanksgiving. Stop talking about Star Wars, and we're going to get right into the text, right? So Sirach chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. It says, my son, when you come to fear, when you come to serve the Lord, stand in justice and fear, right? So that, that, that's where I want to, I'm just going to kind of walk through this whole text. And this is the first place I want to stop because a lot of times people hear fear of the Lord and it's like, okay, are we supposed to be afraid of God? What does that word really mean? Right? So if, if, if we're, uh, uh, it's partly true, right? So God at any time could wipe me off the plate face of the earth, right? He could, he could make me not exist anymore, right? Um, just by not thinking about me or just the snap of his fingers. Like if at the snap of, you know, his fingers and his word, and he says, let there be light and there's light, he could make me go away if he wanted to, right? So there is this aspect of like, God is more powerful than me and I can do nothing about it, right? But it's also uh, with, with this fear, it's not being scared and afraid, but it's like this awe and reverence of the power of God, right? And the next line says, prepare yourselves for trials. So this is one of those things. So in throughout this whole chapter, there are a lot of things that the scriptures are telling us, these, this wisdom, this book of wisdom is telling us things that we should do in order for our lives to go well, right? So there are a lot of things that we are told to do, and there are a lot of promises that are given to us in this scripture about what will happen in your life if you do these things, right? So he continues to saying, so the first one is be prepare, prepare yourself for trials, right? And Carlo got us started getting focused on Lent because it's starting next week, which is crazy because it's happening very quickly. But in this Lenten time, it's a time where we're preparing our hearts to live in the resurrection of Jesus, preparing our hearts for Holy Week, preparing our hearts for um, the service of, of, of Holy Thursday and, wa- and the washing of feet and, and seeing Jesus um, at the Last Supper. It's the, it's the preparation for Good Friday of all of our sin, um, the, no, re- recognizing both the weight of our sin and the victory that Christ won for us. Um, that's why it's called Good Friday. It's one of, I, I always ask that as a kid. It's like, isn't that like sad Friday, right? Like this is the saddest day for all of us, right? And it's like, it's no, it's good because that's where... Jesus took all of our sins and died for us, right? It's the greatest thing that could have ever happened for us. And then on Easter, of course, the resurrection, right? Carlo talked about the greatest miracle that has ever happened, right? Somebody who has been dead for three days comes back to life by their own accord. Like, that just doesn't happen, right? Um, So that's what this time of Lent is preparing us for, right? And... We know that we give things up. We don't eat meat on Fridays. And a lot it's this time of prayer. It's this time of, of almsgiving. It's this time of fasting. And it's all to kind of refocus ourselves on Christ, right? I, I was telling, saying a couple weeks ago on the show that, like, all the seasons of the church tend to come at great times for me. Like, Advent comes at a time where I'm anxious because it's the end of the first semester and, like, there's a lot going on. And Advent's all about waiting, Right? slow down, right? And then we kind of get back into our ordinary time going through. We had Christmas and everything kind of goes back to normal. And then Lent hits. And we're like, okay, it's this time of waiting again, waiting and preparing. So this active waiting, which seems counter counterintuitive, right? But this active waiting. So prepare yourselves for trials. The trials that are going to come um, both by your self-imposed what you're giving up for Lent, but also, you know, the fasting and um, the things that will go wrong as we're preparing for Easter. He continues, be sincere of heart and steadfast. Incline your ear and receive the word of understanding, undisturbed in time of adversity. So, like, this is what I want, right? In times of adversity, I want to be able to stand firm, to be undisturbed. And he says how we do that is to incline our ears and receive the word of understanding. And I like this because a lot of times, like listening to Catholic radio or, or studying our, our Bible or reading books, we're like, oh, I need to go obtain understanding, obtain wisdom. I need to work for it. He says, incline your ear and receive it. 
God has given us this mass text. He's given us the scriptures. And one of the big things that we miss, not like I love reading the scriptures, I love studying, but one of the big things that we miss is having some quiet time to take those things to prayer. Vatican II said about reading the scriptures, the reading of the scriptures should never be without prayer. And prayer should never be without the reading of the scriptures, right? The two have to go hand in hand. So if we're studying and not like, if we're just learning from books and not sitting in the presence of God and stopping and being still and praying throughout the day, then we're missing the point of this study, right? Because um, it's one of the, I don't want to just know about God. I want to actually know God. And that's been a challenge for me, um, you know, in, in school, um, studying theology and in grad school, th- studying theology. And like, it's a hard thing to do. But this, this big thing is understanding, not necessarily knowledge, but if we want understanding, we have to receive the word and incline our ears to the scriptures. So here's one of those, uh, this, next, this next verse is this thing that we are told to do and then the promise that comes with it. Wait on God with patience, cling to him. When I hear cling to him, when we were reading this earlier at our staff prayer, I work for Blaze Ministries, we pray together as a staff every morning, we were going through this scripture, and I, I, when I hear the word cling, I immediately think of like my two children running and just grabbing my legs and I'm trying to walk and I'm just dragging them along, right? So, so we would need to cling to God, forsake him not. And he says, this is the promise. Then I will be, uh, thus will you be wise in all your ways. So if we wait on God with patience and cling to him, then we'll be wise in all of our ways. Again, in those quiet times to just go back and be with the Lord is how, we'll, has, how we will grow in wisdom. Accept whatever befalls you. When, sor- when sorrowful, be steadfast. And in crushing misfortune, misfortune, be patient. And here's another thing we're told to, told to do. For in fire, gold, and silver are tested, and worthy people in the crucible of humiliation. Trust God. <laughs> so, like, he just told us, like, there's going to be crappy times. There's going to be times where it feels like you are this gold and silver that is being burned, right? So how gold and silver are purified is that they're actually put through fire. They're cast into fire, and then all the dross, all the excess comes off of the gold and silver. And when it comes out, it's pure. And, and the, the, the blacksmith can actually see their reflection in the gold and silver, right? So our go- like whenever we're going through trials, whenever we're going through hard times, whenever things aren't going well um, with our family or with school or with work, like that is the crucible. That is the fire that we are being tested by. But that's not fun. <laughs> that's not easy, right? But in that fire, all we're called to do is trust God. And here's the promise. God will help you. So we get one promise, right? So our, uh, the, the thing we're supposed to do is trust God in the hard times and the difficult times. Then we get the promise of God will help you. So we got one thing to, we're told to do and one promise. The next line says, trust in him. Okay, that's the th- same thing that we're supposed to do, right? He says, and he will direct your way. So for one thing, for one thing we're told to do, we get two promises now. Trust God, God will help you. Trust in him and he will direct your way keep his fear, and grow old therein. So next he says, you who fear the Lord, wait for his mercy. So this theme of waiting continues to pop up and slowing down and like, man, life is so busy. All the things that we're we're, um, pulled in so many different directions with work and family and school and trying not to be fat like, you know, like like I'm trying not to do, right? Like like taking care of my body, taking care of my spiritual health, taking care of all these things. It feels like we're just being pulled in all these different directions, but God just wants us to slow down. He says, turn not away lest you, lest you fall. You who feel the Lord, trust him. You get it yet? <laughs> God is calling us over and over again in this scripture to trust him. And here's, here's the promise again. So now we've been told three times to trust. We've gotten two, two promises already. The third one says, and your reward will not be lost. This, this strikes such a, a chord with me because a lot of times when things aren't going well, I'm like, well, does anything that I'm actually doing really matter? Does, does, uh, it, is all the hard work that I, that I did lost because of this one mistake I made? And it's like, man, like, your reward will not be lost. In, like, in heaven, in, in your life, and all the things that God wants to bless you with, your reward will not be lost. Trust in him. Wait for him. 
it continues, you who fear the Lord, hope for good things, for lasting joy and mercy. So he's telling this to people who are, are being burned by, by, uh, in the crucible, being tested by fire, who are uh, in these trials that, that God set out, that he said, look, the, these trials are going to happen. In the midst of that, he says, long for, hope for good things, for lasting joy and for mercy. You who fear the Lord, love him. That's the command. The promises and your hearts will be enlightened. And then my favorite verses of the entire thing, right at the end, study the generations long past and understand. Has anyone hoped in the Lord and been disappointed? Has anyone persevered in his commandments and been forsaken? Has anyone called upon him and be rebuffed? Compassionate and merciful is the Lord. He forgives sins. He saves in times of trouble. And he is a protector to all who seek him in truth, right? Those three questions are just rhetorical questions because the, the answer is an obvious, resounding no. Anyone who hopes in the Lord has never been disappointed. Ultimately. It's, anyone who actually perseveres in his commandments has never been forsaken. Anyone who calls upon God has never been turned away. So when we're in these times of, of disappointment, when we're in these times where we feel forsaken, when we're in these times where we're feeling like God isn't listening to us, he will never leave and abandon us because the promise is that he's compassionate and merciful. He will always forgive our sins <laughs> so, uh, and, and save in times of trouble. So whether we cause the bad times by our sin or the bad times were just external in, in these times of trouble, he's always a protector who will always seek to all who seek him in truth, right? So continuing to seek God in the trials. And I, I, I just know that like Lent is always kind of a hard time for a lot of people, um, uh, especially people who like red meat or people who like, you know, people give stuff up, right? Um, I, I know one year I gave up, I gave up soda. Another year I gave up um, eating out. That was tough. I gave up eating out when I was an undergrad. I lived a mile from the school. There were 36 restaurants on the bike ride from my house to the school. 36 in one mile in San Antonio, some of the greatest Mexican food restaurants in the entire world. And I gave up eating out. And it was, it was tough, right? And uh, I, I think I grew in my ability to say no to not only those things, but also to uh, whenever I was tempted for other things to be able to say no. And that's the entire point of fasting, right? So this week, I encourage you to think about what you're going to give up for Lent so that uh, Ash Wednesday next Wednesday does not just pop up and surprise you. So, guys, thanks for listening tonight. I, uh, I really hope you guys enjoyed Carlo. He was a, he was a blast for me to interview. Um, if you want to check out this show, if you're listening on the radio, you missed any of the podcast before, you can always go to Forte Catholic, F-O-R-T-E Catholic.org slash radio. You can find all the shows. You can find out more about my speaking, about my worship leading. Go check out the website. Um, if you are listening on the podcast, please subscribe, like, share it with your friends. We're really trying to grow the audience. Um, and the only way that that's really going to continue to happen um, is if you share it and help us out. So thank you guys for listening. This is been the 21st episode of Forte Catholic. We will be back live next week with Steve Dawson, who started St. Paul Street Evangelization. It's been fun. See ya!